sometimes in life, you'll find something that just really resonates with you. There's a commercial on TV right now that just really resonates with me. Um, it's a, it's a, like a progressive auto insurance commercial. And it's this husband and wife, I assume it's a couple, and they've got their little, I mean, they look very Colorado, just saying. I don't think it's a Subaru, but it looks really Colorado. And they've got their kayaks on top of it, and they're wearing beanies, because you're kayaking and wearing a beanie. And uh, they're taking their kayaks off, and the, the, the woman looks over at the man and says, did you bring the life vest? And he goes, uh, no, you said you were bringing the life vest. And she says, no, you said you were bringing the life vest. And at that moment, she, he, he pulls out a challenge flag, like from the NFL, like how they can, coaches can make the challenge and they can go and review the film. So they bring out the, the, the film, right? They bring out a little review thing and they review it and there he is saying, yeah, honey, I'll get the life vest. And I feel like that's my life. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'll say, she's like looking like, yeah, this is true. Like, I'll do that. And then later on, I'm like, didn't you say you'd do that? Look, when we read today's text, I can't help but think this was like Joseph's response, right? We're, here's this little spoiler alert. Joseph loses Jesus today. <laughs> like, it's bad. Uh, he loses Jesus. They leave him at the temple when they leave Jerusalem. And I got to think when they kind of discover a day into their journey that um, Jesus has been left behind. No pun intended. Uh, he would never be left behind. That's not even true. Just wipe away that whole TV series. Uh, it's not going down like that. Uh, when they left behind Jesus, um, Mary was like, Joseph, you said you had all the kids. I, I did. I, I had them. I, you said you were getting the kids. I, it's not in any way. There's Jude and James and Simon, but there's no Jesus. And so they, they, they panic and go back. I have no, no doubt that when we read this text today, uh, Joseph was the one that was at fault. All right? Was it Jesus? He was sinless. We know that. Was it Mary? It was Joseph. All right, as we, I was kind of lighthearted going into this text, and this is, a, this is an incredible text. It's a, great, it's a great story, and it shows us one big truth today. And I don't want us to miss this big truth. This is a, a big truth that could be missed just by reading a story. But there's like, the, the point of this text is, is this. Here's the big truth, that Jesus is the Son of God. This is, G Jesus is making the announcement, I am the Son of God. This is Luke in his writing showing us who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. So, read with me in Luke uh, chapter 2. We're going to read this whole uh, little story starting in verse 41 going through 52. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom... And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him and among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, 
why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. First thing we kind of read here is that his parents went to Jerusalem. And they went to Jerusalem for the, the, the Passover feast, and they did it every year. Now, you got to think, uh, what we know about Jesus' life, uh, the early years, there's not much, is there? We know from the book of Matthew... Uh, that King Herod wanted to, to have him killed. So we know that his family had to, to go in exile and they had to run down to Egypt. But uh, angel of the Lord would have visited him, uh, visited Joseph and Mary and said, hey, the, the man who wanted to kill your son is safe. You can return. And so they returned to Nazareth. Um, we know that, that Herod the Great died uh, 4 B.C. And so uh, the exact dates of when Jesus was born and, and Herod's death, there's only a few years in there. So he was a young boy. And so... This is what we know, that Jesus, if Jesus' memories of a child every year at Passover, they would, they would make that 80, 90-mile journey from Nazareth down to Jerusalem. And so here's the first thing I want to show you, is that the, next, the first big idea is that Joseph and Mary were devoted to God. Now, we're continuing a theme of devotion from last week. Last week, we kind of saw Mary and Joseph's de devotion to do what was right, to do what was asked of them. Man, uh, the Jew Jewish people would have um, been required uh, to make the trip to Jerusalem about three times a year for three different festivals. Um, many wouldn't do it all three times. Some would only do it one time. Some wouldn't do it at all. The devoted people would do it, obviously, all three times. And so there's this little nugget showing, showing us here that, man, they were good followers of Yahweh. They were, they were good Jewish people. And so they were devoted, they were devoted to, to God. They were devoted to raising their children to follow God. That's kind of the next nugget that's, that's here. Um, it, it says that when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And so you, you can see here that they would have cared about the customs of Scripture. And so I, I, I just would guarantee you, almost just guarantee you, that in Jesus' household with Joseph and Mary growing up, the things that the Old Testament prescribed should be done. I mean, I would, I would guess that every day they would have said the Shema. I would, I, would have, I would just promise you that when Saturday came, they Sabbath. I can promise you that they... they did not forsake the gathering of people, we see the news says, and they went to the temple every week. You know, they, they read the scriptures in their home. We, we, would, we would know this. And so we see that um, they, would, they would take and do, their devotion would, would be lived out. They would do it within their children. They were devoted to God. They were committed to uh, discipling their children. That would be the, the words that we would use today. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, he should not depart from it. Now, that's a general truth. It's a proverb. It doesn't mean that that's like a 100% thing. It's this general truth, but I think it's, it's you can see here that Mary and Joseph practiced that. They practiced training up their child. Now, there's something special about a 12-year-old boy going to the temple. Um, 12 years old. 
The next year he would be 13. At 13, uh, in, 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 that, in that time in Jewish faith, and even, even now, where they have a bar mitzvah now in Jewish tradition, that, that 13-year-old would have been pronounced a man. So this is like his time of training. Like the next year he'd be required to go to temple with his dad. He'd come to Jerusalem all these years. They would see their cousins. They would probably see their relatives. They would play with their cousins. But the, the young boys, they wouldn't go to temple. The men would go to temples. It is, it is the 12th year that they would take the boys to the temple. And so they're going, and this is the first time that probably, we don't know this for sure, but this very well could be the first time that Jesus is seeing what happens at, at the Passover. He's seeing the families go and, and buy the lamb and He's seeing them bring the, bringing them in. He's seeing all the families take and make this sacrifice. Uh, he's seeing the priest scoop up the blood and, and then throw it on the altar. And they're doing, he's seeing like the ceremony, their tradition, everything that would have happened. I mean, it was a big deal. They would take that lamb home. And on the night of Passover, they would prepare it and they would have the Passover meal. And so Jesus is being exposed to what happens at this festival as a 12-year-old boy. He, he's being exposed to uh, the tradition and customs and fulfilling the commandments of the Bible, of the, of the, the Torah. Um, he's, he's experiencing what it is that he should do. And so I think Joseph here in his devotion really, really puts a little model for us to say this isn't the main point of this text, but I think this is definitely something we can take away from this text is that our devotion should bleed over to our children. Our, we, our devotion should be contagious to our children. As parents committed to discipling our children, we should train them. We should train up a child in the way that they should go. Uh, so much of parenting is training. So much of p parenting is showing our kids uh, what it is that they need to do. So much of it is modeling it for them. It's taking it, uh, taking our kids along with it. So much of discipleship, we think uh, so often as it is uh, the teacher and the student, but so, so much of discipleship is the going along with, the, the, the training. It's the picture of Joseph taking Jesus with him to the temple. Man, I try to take my kids with me to places. Um, I try to expose my kids to things, my, my, my boys. Uh, John Owen often gets up at, at 5.40 on Thursday mornings and meets with uh, Carl and Kyle and I at 6 a.m. Uh, why? Why is my 13-year-old getting out of bed at 6 a.m.? Because I want to train him. I want to show him what it means to be a disciple and to make disciples. And so uh, he, he, I don't have to rip him out of bed. He gladly gets out of bed. Um, he, he comes, uh, part of it, I just think they've got good biscuits and good bacon. He likes biscuits and bacon. I'm not going to pretend that's not part of it. But, man, if biscuits and bacon will motivate your kid to follow Jesus and, and to learn and go, you, uh, thank God for the new covenant there, uh, you, you do it. You take your kids and you, you train them. You take your kids with you. And this would just bring me to the point of, say, you should bring your kids to church. You shouldn't bring your kids and drop them off at church and leave, man. And I, that happens sometimes here. Um, I'm okay with that. We'll we'll take the kids, but man, the the call is for the the mother and father to take their kids to to with them to do 
to, to learn, to grow, but also to go and do ministry. You know, one of, one of my goals in, in parenting, I, I, I've got the 10-year-old trip that I take my boys on, uh, one-on-one, 10 years old. We go talk about some really important things in life that are happening in the coming years. But one, another thing is that for my boys, that I take them on an international mission trip with me uh, before they get through high school. I want them to see the international mission field, and I want it to see it with me. I want to take, I want to, I want to train them. We should train our kids in the things of the Lord. If you are devoted to God, your devotion is going to be contagious to your children. Now, you've heard me say this before. I, I did student ministry for, for 10 years, and man, through, through social media, it's like a, kind of like this live experience as I get to, get to see kids kind of like, come from their middle school years, their college years, now a lot of them in their uh, mid, mid-20s. One of my uh, former students had a, a, a 30-year-old birthday yesterday, um, you know, and like watching them raise their families, what, watching them have children and get married, and, or get married and then have children rather, and, and, you know, watching them live out their faith. One of the things that I've just observed is that most kids who get mad at the church and walk away from the church are kids whose parents were hypocritical. That they, they said one thing and did another. That they showed up to church and looked one way, looked all holy and righteous and put on their Sunday's best and went home and were hard to live with and were cruel and were, were, were mean and were hypocritical. And so we need to show our kids... Our devotion, our kids need to, to see it. You know, your kids ought to find you reading the Bible. Your kids ought to find you listening to worship. Your kids ought to find you praying, right? Um, your kids ought to know you ought to lead your, your family in those things that they may be devoted to. Our devotion should be contagious. I would just challenge you to look at your life and look at the things that you do as a parent. Man. I love riding motorcycles. My boys like riding motorcycles. I'm devoted to it. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dirt bike guy for life, you know, until I can't, until it's not safe for me to get on anymore. I'm going to ride the thing. And I love to hunt. My boys love to hunt. I love the back-to-back national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. My boys love the back-to-back national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. The things we're devoted to, our kids are going to be devoted to. And there's nothing more important for us to be devoted to than Jesus. And so may we be found being devoted to Jesus. Let's keep going. Verse 33, And when the feast had ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And here's my next big idea. Jesus was devoted to God. Now, this is kind of a wild one because we're like looking at the Trinity here. We're looking at part of God. Jesus was devoted to himself, right? Jesus was devoted to his Father, Jesus was devoted to the things of the Lord. I want you to think about for the second him showing up at that Passover and him looking at the lamb and watching his, his father Joseph take the lamb to the, 
to the priest, and they offer it as a sacrifice. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that, that before Jesus' ministry, um, he, was, he was going and doing all of these miracles or whatever. I believe that he was doing what the, the Scripture says. But a part of me wonders, did he know? This is symbolic of me. This is symbolic of, I'm going to be the lamb who was slain. I'm going to be the Passover lamb. So that if my blood atones for your sin, you will live. And so what we see, he's being exposed to the things of the temple. He's in the temple, right? His father, the presence of God, dwells in that temple. But at the same time, here is Jesus in the temple, and he is the new temple that is being raised up. Think about this. King Herod, I mentioned him, him earlier. King Herod, who said, you know, who, who wanted to kill Jesus. Do you know who built this temple? Herod built this temple. You know where Herod was at this moment? Dead. And yet here's the new king in, the, in the, the temple. He would be found there learning growth. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. It, 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 if, you, if you think about, say, like the Apostle Paul and, and the, the language that was often used in the New Testament that we see, it was like Paul, the Apostle Paul said, I sat at the feet of Gamel. Right? It was a, it was a, great, a great teacher of the day, and the students would sit at their, their feet. But this is not what happened when they found him. They, sit, they found him sitting among the teachers. Listening to them and engaging with them. And asking questions. You see the, the beauty of Jesus' de- devotion to the things. To fulfilling his father's will. Jesus was devoted to his fathers. It's a beautiful thing that Luke does here in this text. Luke chapter 2 Jesus' first words are about his father. Luke 24, Jesus' last words, guess what? They're about his father. Jesus was devoted to his father. Devotion to Jesus comes at the, to the, at, the, at the expense of other things. I want you to understand that. Devotion to Jesus comes at the expense of other things. And we see it clearly here. Was, was Jesus more devoted in this moment to his father or to his parents? Obviously to his, his heavenly father. Right? He was more devoted, devoted to God. Now, we know that Jesus was without sin. We see it uh, listed in scripture that, that Jesus didn't have sin. We know that he wasn't disobedient. That's why I say this is probably Joseph's fault. Joseph just, I think, assumed Jesus was coming. It wasn't as if Joseph and Mary said, come on Jesus, now it's time to go. No, they just took for granted that as the caravan would have been moving out, uh, this would have been the way that they would have traveled in that time. It's like, not like they got in their, their car and just drove. It would have been a whole group of people from Nazareth, a many family members, um, obviously his siblings, but cousins and, and neighbors and all those things that the caravan would have been leaving, headed back to Nazareth to make that, that couple days journey. Jesus stayed behind. Jesus was, was caught up in in. The, the moment he was, he was there, he was devoted. His devotion came at the expense of pleasing his parents. His focus wasn't on pleasing his parents in that moment, but his, his focus was on pleasing, pleasing his heavenly father. I think as a parent, there are definitely times where um, I've wanted to be mad at my children. Like, 
I've wanted to be mad at them. What they did was clearly against what I thought they should do or wanted them to do. But at the same time, like realizing, but their, their actions were pleasing to the Heavenly Father. Their, their actions were actually right, and my thought process was wrong. They weren't sinning. I was. And I think that's what we have here. I mean, I think, I think we have not necessarily calling Joseph out just for being a man. I'm not saying like he was sinning. I just think he was being a man. And um, that, that he's in, in, imperfect. And, and I think they tried really hard to, to parent Jesus and James and Simon and, and whatever other siblings there, there may have been very well. But here it fell short. And Jesus' devotion is shown here. He's devoted to his heavenly father. Now, this paints a picture for us. And in practice, this is what we'll know. In Jesus' ministry, he will continue to show us that our devotion to God comes at the expense of, of other things. Luke says this in Luke 14, 26 and 27. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, we'll talk about this when we get to, to Luke chapter 14 and what this means. Do we literally need to hate our, our mother and father and our kids and hate ourselves? No, it means, we're going to talk about this, what it means our devotion to Jesus and our love for him is what we must have. That our love for everybody else should look like com hate compared to our love for God. We're going to talk about what this means. But, but what I'm telling you today is our devotion comes at the expense of other things. His priority wasn't on pleasing his earthly father, but his heavenly father. And boy, we should be thankful. He had a propensity towards being obedient to his father. And we better be glad that he did because 21 years later, we're going to see his devotion come through again. And we're going to see his propensity, his obedience to his father as he becomes that sacrificial lamb. As Jesus, uh, as we, we see in the good news of the gospel, is crucified for our sake. As he's put on the cross for our sake. That he is made for the atonement for our sin. As he's nailed to the, to the cross as he dies in our place, we're going to be glad of his devotion and his obedience to his father. Keep going, verse 47. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and at his answers. And when his parents, they saw him and they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he raised to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? Here's my next big idea is that we should be devoted to Jesus because he's God's son. We should be devoted to Jesus for who he is and what he's done. He shows us here. He tells us in this text, did you not know I must be in my father's house? This is the announcement that he is God's son. Now, we first start reading this verse. Can, can you tell, like, kind of the panic in Mary's voice? 
Now, I want to ask for a show of hands, but I'm not going to. So nobody put your hands up. But answer this question in your head. Who's left a kid somewhere? I've never done it for a couple days, all right? But I have left a kid. Who's left a kid at church? Looking at a Samson on the front row, calling you out. I'm just kidding. Brooke came back and got him. It's okay. Um, I have left a kid at church one night. Um, John Owen, James, and I were, were leaving. We're walking out of church. And it's dark. It's really dark outside. And I don't remember if it was like raining or something. It was cold. Um, and we click, quickly jump in the truck. And we're all right there getting in the truck. And I start it. And I get in, I back up, I'm cold, you know, I'm driving, I'm talking to John Owen, or maybe he's talking to me, that's more likely. And, and we get home, and we pull in the driveway, and we go to get out, and James doesn't get out. <laughs> I'm like, well, he was just, how did, how did we lose him? And man, you wouldn't believe, like, I backed it out, and I flew through my neighborhood, I broke every law there was, I promise you. I come slide in the church, and there's James standing right at the parking spot, right where I left him, like, going like, you left me. The door was locked. And I'm like, well, why didn't you like run in front of me and wave me down? He's like, you probably would have hit me. You know, like, okay. Oh, man. Even though that was like maybe five minutes, man, my heart as a father was so glad that he was okay. And at the same time, I felt so guilty that I did it to him, that I left him. I love you, buddy. I don't ever want to leave you. You know, I like you. Next time, bang on the window. Uh, <laughs> Dad, you're being dumb. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, here's, this, this is them. I think, I think that we see that, that there's this astonishment. There's this mix of emotion. Like we, I mean, it says, it says that in the, in the prior text that we read that it was, that it was three days that they looked for them. Now, scholars kind of have a, a, different, a different take on those three days. So was it that they took a journey from Jerusalem one day. At the end of the day, they figured out, oh, no, he's not there. They traveled back a day, and then on the third day, they found him. Or was it that, you know, they, they, they went back, searched for three days, and then found him in the temple? I tend to believe that Luke is dropping us a little, a little nugget right here. He's showing us that it was the third day that they, they were gone a day, they came back the day, and on the third day, they found Jesus. Because I want to show you something. This isn't the only time Mary would be missing her son for three days. He's given us this nugget in Scripture to show there's going to be another time down the road when Mary's going to think she's lost her son. She would have watched him crucified on that cross. She would have watched the agony and the pain of watching her son take on the punishment that he did not deserve for the beauty of the gospel the goodness of the gospel and the thing that proves to us that we should be devoted to Jesus because he's God's son because on the third day he rose again and this is where our, should be, our devotion should lie just like Mary this nugget he dropped that in three days he will, you will find him in three days he will be there, that Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he is Lord, proving that he is who he said he was. 
at the, at the resurrection, we see that this pronouncement that was made by Jesus, did you not know that I would be in my Father's house, is true. And so therefore, we should be devoted to Jesus because he is God's Son. Our lives should be lived for him because he is God. The things that, that our attentions are, are on should be the things of Jesus. The things that our affections are on should be the things of Jesus. The things that we are devoted to should be Jesus and his word. Our lives are best lived with a purpose and mission of doing Jesus' business, of making sure that we're going, oh, did you not know I would be in Jesus' house? Did you not know I would be with Jesus? If you're looking for me, if you need to find me, I'm going to be where Jesus wants me to be. I'm going to be doing Jesus' mission. I'm going to be living out Jesus' calling. That's what you're going to find me do. You're going to look for me, you're not going to find me at the bar. You're not going to find me at the casino. You're not going to find me at the brothel. You're not going to find me at the party. You're going to find me doing Jesus' work. That's the thing I'm going to be devoted to. Oh, sure, we live in a place where it's fun to vacation all the time. It's, it's, it's fun to enjoy the things that God has put before us. But, man, what should we do? We should be devoted to Jesus. We should be doing the things that Jesus calls us to do. Verse 50. They did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. This was, this, was, this, was a, this was deep. They knew who he was. The angels had told them who he was. But all that was going on, that they stood in amazement that their 12-year-old was sitting with the leaders. And he was asking questions. He was teaching even, even them. He was giving these answers. And he was teaching. He was connecting dots, right? not understand this saying he spoke to them and he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and he was submissive to them and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart that's my next big idea our devotion should lead to submission Jesus submitting his will to the father meant that he would submit his will to the parents because God said, honor your father and your mother. Even though this Jesus, 12 years old, in the temple, man, he knew more than anybody else there. You see the, the, the presence, you see God growing in him, growing him in wisdom and stature. Uh, you see this, you see this is the king of kings, this is God, yet he submitted to his parents. Man, we so... So often look at submission as a dirty word. We look at submission, we think, never, never will I submit. But yet our Savior was a Savior of submission. We see it here, and he's 12, we see him submit to his Father's will, and we see him call us to submission. And just as, a, just as it is God-honoring for my children to submit to me because I have their best interest in mind and I care for them and I love them and I know as their father and Jennifer as their mother we know what's best for them just as, as they should submit to us so he paints this picture that we should submit to the father as, as Jesus submitted to his parents as he paints this picture of fulfilling that commandment and taking it seriously so should, should we our lives should be about submission. Listen, 
I, I can be somewhere and, and I can hear, um, I can be in a store, you know, and, and especially, man, especially near the Legos or the, the kids section, you know, you'll often hear a kid throwing somewhat of a tantrum. But I want blank, I, but I want it. No, I want it. And their parent says, put it down. And, the, and, and it's the, the, the parent says, no, you're not getting that. Put it down. The kid goes, no, but I want it. There's going to be things in our life that we want. There's going to be things in our life that we feel like we must have or we need. But God says no. That his word is clear on them. That it is not what is, what is best for his people. That he's put those commandments and those teachings in place. And our lives will be better off when we live submitted to them. God knows what is best for his people. And he's given us the word of God to show us that. To show us how to live. And what is best for us is to submit our lives to it. And so our devotion, just like Jesus, here's an example, should lead us to submission. Verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Here's my next big idea. Our devotion should lead to wisdom and having favor with God and man. Just like Jesus. We see this beautiful, like, I mean, this is, this is literally uh, like 18 years in a verse. Right? Uh, Jesus is 12. The next time we're going to hear from him, he's 30 at his public ministry. And so what was Jesus doing? He was increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. God would, would go and he would form his life and by his, his parents' devotion and, and, and by those who were around him and their influence on him and by his seeking of the Father, seeking of God, he would continue to grow. His devotion would lead him to grow. His devotion would lead him and his submission and his obedience to the Father would lead him to the start of his public ministry. And so the model for us is that we should grow, that it should lead us to wisdom and favor with God and man. Like, this is what we would look at in, in call sanctification for us. Obviously, this wasn't sanctification for Jesus. Uh, he, he wasn't becoming more like Christ. He was Christ. He wasn't becoming more holy. He was holy. He wasn't uh, forsaking sins and repenting of sins. He was without sin. But our devotion should lead us to the place of sanctification, of pursuing God, pursuing, pursuing Him. It should, we should grow in wisdom. I read to you uh, last week, I quoted it a, a few times, the book of Acts. Chapter 2, verse 42, the, the early church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them to those who had any need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all people 
And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This, this, little, this little verse that shows us what Jesus was doing between the time he was 12 and the time his public ministry started, started shows us what our devotion ought to look like. That as the believer, we ought to be increasing in wisdom. We ought to seek to grow. We ought to seek to learn. We should be like the, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We should be devoted to, 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 to grow through God's Word. I want you to understand, you're not going to grow apart from God's Word. Not from uh, the, the public preaching and teaching of God's Word. Not apart from uh, classes that push you far, farther. Classes that challenge you. And not apart from your own reading of the Word and knowing your understanding and reading the Word. Knowing how to... To read the scriptures and to handle the scriptures, that's where growth is going to come from. It's going to come, come from your quiet time in the morning. It's going to come from your Bible study with a group of peers. It's going to come from coming to church. We must think as a Christian, we must grow. We must increase in wisdom. I saw some research uh, this week that said that the average committed Christian goes to church 26 times a year. Now, I would question the use of the word committed. I believe the word average is right, though. Right? I believe that in a lot, a lot of places, that, that two weekends a month, two, two, two hours a month, is what a lot of people who are professing Christ, that's where they're going to try to go. Now, I want you to think about it. There are people who watch, who, who, who attend church, you know, 26 hours a, a, a year, but spend 26 hours a week on social media, right? Now, where is your growth going to come from? What are you going to be influenced by, God's Word or the world? And the answer is probably the world, isn't it? Like, if, if, if you're not devoted, right? If you think, if you think that, man, if, let's just say you're a super Christian, and it's 52 hours a week. I'm going to go to church every Sunday, and that's it. Man, how many, how many weeks does it take you to watch 40 hours of TV? Now, I, I get it. There's different, some people don't watch TV. Okay, 40 hours of secular books. 50, uh, 52 episodes of, of a show, right? I think our devotion has to be to this, has to be to, to God's Word. We're, we're getting ready. Uh, to to start our new Bible studies for for adults, uh, man, we've we've got some stuff going on already. Ashley Stratton's teaching teaching uh, um, for for ladies. She's go, going through the Bible in a whole year chronologically. We have a good many of our young adults, those in their twenties, some in their early thirties, who are uh, part of Jason Miller's community group. And I know some there's some stuff going on there. The uh, there's opportunity there if you're in your twenties or thirties and you want to be a part of that community group. Uh, See Jason, right? That's there. We're getting to some, some other stuff. Um, starting uh, January 29th, that's our, that's our four-year anniversary service. Remember that. We're going to have a baptism that morning. That's gonna be a, it's going to be a special uh, morning. But starting that week, uh, we're going to offer some Bible studies. Vanessa Houck is going to be teaching uh, Sunday nights at 7 p.m. She's going to be teaching um, the book of First Timothy. And then, for, that's for women. And then on 
uh, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock at my house. Jennifer's going to be teaching the book of Titus for women. And then uh, Wednesday nights at 6 p.m., uh, uh, John McElwain's going to be teaching uh, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. And it's going to be co-ed, an uh, opportunity for men and women if you, you, to come. Sundays, kind of a class, uh, I mean, sorry, Wednesdays, uh, 6 p.m., kind of a classroom uh, style. That's the same time, by the way, that our students have trek. They're midweek kind of opportunity to learn and to grow and to be devoted and, and, and to gather. Thursday mornings, uh, 6 a.m. at the Breakfast Club, I'll, I'll continue to teach. I'm, I'm going to do um, The Thrill of Orthodoxy by Trevin, Trevin Wax. Right? There's, there's opportunities to grow. Every Sunday morning in the second service, there is a, a study kind of in our Sunday school hour right now. They're, they're in the book of Romans. It's a fresh start. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 today, right? Oh, there's two weeks of introduction. Co context is today, right? So, when we take study in the Bible, I mean, they're going to finish Romans in 2034. It's going to be brilliant. Um, we take it serious, right? There's opportunity to, to, to grow. There's, there's things here we want to grow. We want to create opportunity for us to be like the early church, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to devoted to the breaking of bread. This is, this is, this is the beauty of the, the church, that our devotion should lead to wisdom and our growth. And in favor, right, in favor with God, that, that God's grace would continue to be up, upon us. And in favor with man, that, that God would go before us and he would fight for us, that, as we saw last, last year in the book of Joshua, that God would move on our behalf that we would have favor just like the early church I, I might add and day by day they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes and they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people you know what happened when they did that you know what happened when the new the early church was to devoted when their devotion was to Jesus And awe came upon every soul. Our devotion should lead us to awe in God. Our devotion, when we read the word and we see Jesus in the word, our hearts will see the beautiful truths of scripture. We will see that Jesus is God. And so I invite you, church, to continue to come and see. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. And that it is truth. That every dot, every iota is, is true. And Lord, I pray that we would put in the work to understanding it. And that your Holy Spirit would illuminate it to us. That we would see uh, the truthfulness of your scriptures, but also the beautifulness of your scriptures. That we would see the beauty in the words. And that all would come upon us as a church. That we would be a church that, that because of our devotion, it leads us to worship. Because of our devotion, it leads us to evangelistic zeal. Because of our devotion, it would lead us to make disciples. Because of our devotion, it would lead us to serve. And because of our devotion, it would cause us to take up our cross and multiply to the very ends of the earth for your glory and your honor. Lord, may we be a church that's devoted to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing a song of response. Maybe today.
is the day that, that the Lord's moving and working in your heart. Maybe today is the day that in this time of prayer, you would cry out and say, Father, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Maybe today will be a day of faith for you. Maybe you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, and, and you need to be obedient in baptism. Maybe you need to come talk to a, one, of our, one of the pastors. Maybe you need to pray. Maybe today is the day that your devotion is shown to the Lord.